Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's up, Daniel? Just another beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. We got like 65 and sunny up in here. It's a little cloudy and windy. Up in here. But it's not winter. You know what I'm going for when I do that a couple of times? No. I'm hoping to drop Nelly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Up in here? You know nothing about that, do you? No. Nelly. That's not up Nelly. In here? Up in here? No. Are you sure? Yes. That um, was DMX. DMX. Wow, we are way off. Boom. All right. Let's. You know what? I'm pretty excited because not this episode, but next episode, we have an official sponsor. I am pumped about this. Yeah. So how, tell me how that went down, Daniel. Uh, some uh, guy met you in a bar, passed a note over the table. Pretty much. Our standards up. are low. No, not really. Our standards aren't low. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, uh, this show is based off of listeners sending in a question, and we uh, compensate them with 25 Amazon gift card dollars. Uh, plus, we have an intern that manages all these episodes and so forth. So we actually put some resources into the show. And uh, so... We came across a, a sponsor through a sponsorship network that, uh, you know, wanted to sponsor our next show. I'm pretty excited about it because um, we're going to do the official sponsorship unveil next episode. But Book Notes, oh, spoiler alert, Book Notes is the, uh, is the sponsor, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it because um, I went ahead, did the seven-day free trial, and basically it's a summary. So I like to read a lot, uh, certainly. I've got usually two or to three books going. I'm a, um, I'm a fiction reader at night. Uh, just finished uh, Seven Strangers. Boy, that was weird. That got strange. <laughs> I think that's in the name. They went, to a, they went to a health retreat, and it just got, it got a little cray-cray. Uh, but I did finish it. Sometimes I just put them down, and I'm like, this is nuts. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and then I read nonfiction in the morning. And uh, I've, got a, I've got two going right now, uh, Money. Um, which you did through book notes, didn't you? I did. Yeah, because it's like 4,000 pages. Yeah. Anthony Robbins' uh, book, Money. And then I have going a out of print. It was difficult to find. I had to find it at one of those um, used uh, bookstores. Uh, Keys to the Kingdom about Michael Eisner, uh, Disney. So those are the two two nonfiction books I, going, I have going. I downloaded a new fiction book. Um, but there are so many books that... I would like to read that I'm not, I know I'm not going to get around to reading. Uh, and this will give me the opportunity to summarize it, quite honestly. Um, I'm not a Gladwell fan. Are you a big Mal- Malcolm Gladwell fan? Uh, his Reading his books can be laborious, so maybe this would be so, a good method. No, that's, ex- that's what I'm referring to. People yeah. love Malcolm Gladwell. Fan of his ideas and him but yeah yeah so uh out outliers um he's got a new one i think out uh you know people just it's their thing so i'm looking forward to um i'm looking forward to to getting a few of his books this way so at the risk of offending him i don't think that many people love his books i think it just makes you sound smart when you're malcolm gladwell you think so it very well could be that's 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 like um uh the power of now 
uh, yeah. with uh, what's his name that Oprah made famous. Um, anyways, or or Talib's book, whatever. All these books that people you just read. sound cool. If you or I saw books. also on your book notes, you're reading the Stoic thing. Um, what is it? The Diary of. Uh, what's his name? Marcus Aurelius. That's right. And I've tried to read that too because all these gurus, you know, oh yeah, Stoicism, Marcus Aurelius, and I'm like, oh my goodness. There's certain is... books if you want to sound no. cool at a party, you just throw out. Yeah, so I- I'm I'm familiar with them, but I've tried to read them, and my I don't like them. Okay, enough <laughs> of that. Let's go to our questions, <laughs> shall we? Uh, let's go back to the subject matter at hand. We've got a great question today. I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, Mike. Hit us with your question. What do you got? D-I-Y. Hey, guys. My name is uh, Mike from Pennsylvania, and I am starting to take my financials more seriously. And during one of my meetings, uh, one of the people at the table were a financial advisor, and they gave me their card and said that we should talk. And so my question is, at what point is your income substantial enough that it's worth hiring a financial advisor and what other tips uh, you guys have on that subject. Thanks. That's Daniel, certified financial planner professional. What do you got, Daniel? Uh, I guess I'm a little confused. Uh, I didn't listen to this question ahead of time, so it's the first time I'm listening to it. You said you're at a meeting, you got a financial advisor's card, you're sort of getting your finances in order, and you asked about the income that you would need to have a financial advisor. And I'm not sure that it's income related really at all, uh, per se. It, it, hiring a financial advisor, and it depends on what, I guess, aspects of financial advice you are going to get. Are you getting a financial planner, a certified financial planning professional who's going to really work with you with your goals, uh, look at the various aspects of financial planning, like tax planning, retirement planning, education planning, et cetera? and really help you navigate those. That is not income related. That is needs-based. It, it depends on uh, what all your goals are, how they interact, and whether or not you are confident or able to uh, navigate that by yourself. A lot of times it helps having an objective uh, person really work with you through that. It's kind of the example we've used before, using a personal trainer for fitness. You can get on a treadmill and you can lift some weights at the gym, but a lot of people find success by uh, having a personal trainer or a class like uh, Orange Theory or Cycle Bar or whatever your cool thing is that you like to do, because there's a level of accountability and and push and objectiveness when somebody's watching you do an exercise, gives you a few tips and and, and kind of keeps you on track. That's what a financial planner does. Get your rear in gear. You can do it. Now, when you talk about financial advisor, if you are talking about an investment manager, and a lot of times those two overlap, certified financial planner, investment manager, uh, that's what we do in our office. We do both, but sometimes they only do one or the other. But if you're talking about an investment manager, uh, that is also not income-based. That might be asset-based, or it might be comfortability uh, with the level of assets that you have and the amount of time that you want to spend focused on investing. Again, with investment management, a lot of times it helps to have an objective uh, sort of mindset and objective eyes that help you navigate your investments without emotions. In fact, uh, Vanguard a while back put out a study on the value of a financial advisor and the objective behavioral behavioral coaching aspect of a financial advisor, helping you navigate markets and removing some of the emotion for you because they're helping you handle it, not just letting you go about your emotions, is about 1.5% per year is what an advisor 
adds basically in value to your investments or to kind of your return through behavioral coaching. Now, 1.5% to some might sound like a lot. To some, it might not sound like much at all. 1.5% of 100 is $1.50. But over time, the compounding of that behavioral coaching could be pretty significant on your returns. That's a great answer. That's good. Ooh, that's good. All right. Um, I think it's important for us to take kind of a stand and put out there because there's probably a lot of people over the years that are going to be approached uh, by folks, whether it's in their circle of life or, you know, groups, social settings, et cetera, or maybe through their workplace or what have you. And, and I think that it's very important uh, to, and I would say this, whether we were in the business or not, first and foremost, a financial uh, planner, a financial advisor, uh, you should, and and I think, you know, this is what we do, but we've done this for a long time before it was kind of the in thing to do. You're going to be looking for a fee-only financial advisor, financial planner. So I, I'm classifying, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'll get to your question in a second, and I, I don't think there's much I need to add that Daniel didn't discuss. But you want to be careful of the quote-unquote financial advisor who's actually in the insurance business. So they, or, or I should say the sales business, but it just so happens that a lot of them are in the insurance business at the risk of offending people out there. And I'm sorry if I do, but look, I was a broker in a wealth management firm when I first started and I sold a lot of insurance and I, every day woke up going, this doesn't feel right. I, I don't, this is, I'm telling someone that I'm helping them, but then I'm turning around and selling them this. And you have to you have to deal with that yourself if you're in the business. And if you decide, hey, I'm still okay doing that, then okay, that is what it is. If you would buy that yourself, then okay, it is what it is. I'm a I'm a big when it comes to insurance, you buy term and you invest the rest. There are certain instances, estate planning purposes, um, that you know uh, you need insurance trusts, et cetera, to avoid estate taxes for large large estates, and that number is becoming even greater. So sure, for a very small a percentage of the population, that's the case. But when it comes to financial advising, a lot of products are sold. They are not bought. Let me say that again. When it comes to financial advising and financial products, a lot of them are sold, not bought. So what you're wanting to do if, you, if you're looking for an advisor is you're looking to pay for the advice. You're looking to pay for the guidance. So in that particular instance, um, if you're looking at that individual and he's a CFP, certified financial planner, okay, that's a check in the that's a checkbox in the right right direction. If it's not, I think right off the bat, you're like, well, you know, he's not a certified financial planner. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a certified financial planner, but it's pretty important. The second thing is is that if if that individual or any individual is then employed by an insurance company, there's a there there's a there's an incentive to to sell insurance products. So again, that it's becomes a little difficult. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm in the financial industry. You know what I never get hit with? Multi-level marketing opportunities. Okay. Why? Because people know that I'm going to go, what? No. Why would I ever do that? I'm sorry. That's just not for me. Now, why did I classify that? Because, hey, there's some multi-level marketing things out there, whether it's Avon per se, or um, you know, many of the nutrition type things that are, that are exceptionally doing well, et cetera. It's not for me. People know that I'm in this financial industry and they don't even approach me with it. So again, 
I think that you have to classify what exactly is a financial advisor and how you're going to go about getting one. And there's many out there uh, that you can engage. To circle back around and to just add to what Daniel said, it is needs-based. There's no question. And it and it comes down, if you listen to previous podcasts, there's times where, where someone says, you know, hey, what should my allocation be? What should my, be, what should my investment strategy be? Um, I want to save for college. And we give our two cents on this. We always do. We give our two cents about custodial accounts. We give our two cents about 529s, ESAs. We give our, our two cents about Roth IRAs, IRAs. But you know what? That's a language that you may not feel comfortable adopting. So you may need to, needs-based, perfect language, call up and sit with an advisor and say, look, what's your hourly rate? I want to sit with you and pick your brain in order to design a plan or have a sounding board, another individual who's wise, to help me see this through. And oh, by the way, don't be afraid to ask about their financial situation. Don't be afraid to ask about what they're doing. It amazes me in this industry how many broke financial advisors are out there producing or selling products in the financial advising space. I mean, seriously. So I think you don't be afraid to ask that question. Finally, and I'll conclude here, uh, be very, very careful when it does come to the investment side. People come into our office regularly and go, why do we need to pay you 1%? To, to allocate. And, and I go, if you're interested in it, and if you want to do it, you shouldn't pay me. You shouldn't pay anyone. But the reality is, is that when uh, moves or alterca- uh, um, alterations to the portfolio, rebalancing, et cetera, when those things need to be done, so often an individual from an emotional standpoint won't or can't do that. And then they say, wow, There is value to be had in having someone else, a team of people, helping me with that allocation. But again, that comes down to low-cost index funds, fee-only advisory services, et cetera. So hopefully that answers your question, Mike. It was a good one. Again, echo what Daniel said. It's not dollar amount. uh, It's definitely needs-based. But be very careful when you venture into the financial advising world. All right, you've been listening to DIY Money. If you're new to the show, go on uh, to iTunes, give us a five-star review. We'd always appreciate that. Share it with your friends. Hey, give us a little link, love. Would you please? That would be great. Hit us up on Instagram, DIY.money, or boom, new thing, join the DIY tribe over on Facebook. You get some uh, video uh, rants, motivational finance uh, from yours truly, which has been pretty exciting. Again, that's the DIY tribe on Facebook. And if you want to send us a question, hit us with a voice memo, podcast at DIYmoney.org. You can send us your email. And if we use it on the show, we'll send you a $25 gift card. Remember, friends, Secret to Wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. If you do it through a financial advisor, find a fee-only advisor and do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. 
This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed. 